Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. I choose to be in the moments where I don't feel very rock solid in my faith, at the very least, to be a seeker, to be a person who has permission to question, who gives myself a permission to be angry with God and to realize that there's nothing that I can say to him. There's no question that I can ask that he has not already wrestled through with somebody else. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. You know, I have seen some fabulous uh, reviews come in lately for the podcast, and I just want to say thank you. If you have rated, if you have reviewed, if you've subscribed to the podcast, thank you. I love having you as part of the podcast family. And if you have shared an episode with someone after you've listened to it and you've shared the love, thank you. Um, Because that's my hope. My hope is that I get it started and then you help uh, to spread the word and you help to not only help yourself find the podcast quickly, because when you subscribe to it, you can easily access it. Um, But you also help others to do that. If you haven't had a chance to rate it, to review it, to subscribe to it, please do that. um, Because I don't want you to miss a single episode. Today, we're going to have a conversation about when life is hard. We're going to have a conversation about how to hold on to our faith when life is hard. My guest is Crystal Evans Hurst. And uh, Crystal and her family, uh, Dr. Tony Evans, her sister Priscilla Shire, her brothers Anthony and Jonathan, have recently uh, been through a lot in their life a lot of death, uh, a lot of disappointment, a lot of struggle. And um, they really have a heart for helping us to figure out how do we hold on to our faith when life breaks our heart. And so uh, Crystal and I recently had a conversation about this, and uh, I wanted to share that conversation with you because it was rich. She is so wise, um, so honest, and we're going to be talking about, as we do with every No More Perfect podcast episode, we're going to be talking about the real stuff of life. So Crystal, you are a wife, you are a mom, an author, a speaker. 
tell us just a little bit about yourself, where you live, and a little bit about your family. Sure. Well, I am a mom of five. We are a blended family, and I uh, have children from 30 to three. My husband (laughs) and I have been married for 20 years. I'm sorry, I lied. 20, 30 to 13. (laughs) That's a big difference. 30 to three is a big difference in 13. 30 to 13. (laughs) uh, My husband and I have been uh, married for about for 20 years. And we uh, live just outside of the Dallas Fort Worth area. So and we have been here the whole time we've been we've been married. So I'm a um, an accidental homeschool mom. I have been homeschooling for almost 20 years also. And um, we are in a season of new things. We uh, are we moved a year and a half ago the same week my husband had COVID. And within that year, of course, all the things that we've all experienced 2020, 2021, Uh, My husband recently had a kidney transplant, which is a great thing, but has been not only since um, that recent disruption in the best way, but we are kind of on the tail of lots of disruption in our lives from a variety of reasons, some of which I think we're going to talk about today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, man, you have that wide range of kiddos like we had as well. Um, We we have five kids and mine now range from 24 to 37. Um, But back when they were all at home, it was craziness. And I used to say that we were driver's training and potty training at the same time. (laughs) Yes. And it's crazy to have multiple seasons happening at the same time, for sure. Yeah, it is. Well, Crystal, you and your family have been through uh, quite a few faith-shaking experiences in a relatively short time frame. And that's really what we want to talk about today is some of what you guys have gone through, a new resource that you've created to help people who are going through hard seasons and to better understand uh, that journey and what it can do for our faith. But can you share with us some of what it is that you have walked through over the last few years? Sure. I think, um, you know, you just have seasons where it, it just won't stop, basically. And so um, the the pinnacle of the difficulty came at the end of 2019. So uh, almost two years when my mom passed away from hearing um, earlier that year that she had a cancer, that they did not think that they'd be do, able to do anything to um, help her heal from. So from diagnosis to her passing, we're talking nine months Mm. And, um, but that was the pinnacle. Um, my mother passed away on December the 30th, November the 25th. My dad lost his dad, my grandfather. So within the course of a month, he lost his mom and he lost his wife. But if you back up to 2017, um, I was in the hospital with a tumor in my foot. I had to go back into the hospital in 2018 with with another tumor located in another place in my body. The summer of 2018, my cousin passed away. And from her passing till my mom's passing, our family lost eight family members in a span of two years. Mm. So it just was, it, it kind of, you know, and then even after my mother passed away, um, not even three weeks after her passing, Priscilla had surgery to remove a mass from her lung, which after they removed it, they found out it was lung cancer. So having buried her mother um, two weeks before, ending up in the hospital um, to remove cancer from her. I mean, it's just one thing after yeah. another. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's, it's hard enough when you, of course, lose someone that you love or when you have 
um, health challenges in your life or in the life of someone you love, the, the, the thing is, is, and I think what we don't realize is the cumulative impact of multiple difficulties back to back. Yes. Because these difficulties impact you spiritually, they impact you emotionally, of course, mentally and physically. I don't think we recognize that, okay, you took off one week to bury someone and then you go back to work. There's a physical impact to that mm. um, and it compounds with multiple things that are hard. So I think we've just had the difficulty of um, losing a mom, my dad losing a wife, but that is after the compounding effect of multiple losses and multiple difficulties. And so um, for us, I know that that's not unique to the human experience, but certainly Mm-mm. for us, that is a very unique thing that happened collectively for us as a family in a short period of time. Right. Right. And I, boy, I really understand that. You know, I, 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 mine hasn't been quite the, um, short period, but in the last eight to 10 years, my marriage went through a crisis. I dealt with breast cancer. I lost my dad. We have a son who struggles with mental health issues and suicide attempts. And you're right. Like it wears you down and you don't, I I think that we underestimate uh, what it takes out of us. And I also think that sometimes, especially when people get hit over and over again, sometimes we want to to blame God in some way. Uh, we want to, uh, like our, our thinking gets messed up. And so talk about, for those that have struggled with that, talk about that and what do we need to do instead? Well, I think the first thing is to give yourself permission to have the struggle. I think a part of the challenge um, is when you don't feel like it's okay for you to have the struggle. Like there is a crisis of belief when your world is rocked and when things that you expected to happen one way do not happen that way. There is a crisis of, you know, the question, the the age old question that we all ask, how can a good God let bad things happen, especially Mm -hmm. to good people? There is the, you know, how could this happen to me? Which really, when we say that, who else would we want it to happen to? Like, you know, why not? Like, these are the questions that we ask that mm-hmm. can present a crisis of faith because we want to believe that we serve a good God, a good father. Mm-hmm. Um, so how could a good God let these things happen? So I think, you know, we have to say, we have to give ourselves permission to ask the questions. The thing I love about Jesus and Peter and their relationship is Jesus gave Peter the room to ask the questions and to struggle with doubt. And, you know, then even the disciples, when they, when you read in the scriptures, Lord, help my unbelief, like mm-hmm. there's unbelief present. <laughs> so help me in that unbelief. So for me, it has been, and still is the decision, not the feeling, not even the confidence, but the mm-hmm. decision mm-hmm. to believe. Hebrews 11 says now without faith, it is impossible to please God. You have to believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So I choose to be in the moments where I don't feel very rock solid in my faith, at the very least, to be a seeker, Um, Mm -hmm. to be a person who has permission to question, who gives myself a permission to be angry with God and Mm -hmm. to realize that there's nothing that I can say to him. There's no question that I can ask. There's no struggle that I will have that he has not already wrestled through with somebody else. Cause I am not the first person on the planet 
to have a difficult string of events or to lose someone who's dear to me after praying to God to show up and to do his healing work. So I think give yourself permission to struggle Mm -hmm. and then realize that this is actually where your faith, where in your faith, where the rubber meets the road. Because if it's easy to have faith because everything's working out, is it really faith? Mm -hmm. So when it's hard, that's when you say, I make the decision right here when I don't see and I don't understand. I make the decision right here to choose faith. Mm -hmm. And that's where I am. That's still where I am. Yeah. Well, and I think so often we want to let our feelings and our emotions lead us. And what you're talking about is we, I mean, there's a reason that the Bible talks about in Second Corinthians that we're to take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. It's like our thinking leads our our emotion. It leads our life direction. And so really you're talking about making a decision um so that we help to lead our emotions instead of letting our emotions lead us too much. Would that be correct? Yes. And I think emotions are there to guide you. They're not there to govern. Um, they have to be informed by truth. Emotions mm-hmm. are not truth. They, they, they are, they are state of the union addresses. So they don't <laughs> necessarily give you the, the, the way to move forward. They just say, Here's where we are today. It's like the stock market. Every day it's moving and shaking. And if you were to make a decision off of what you see in one day, you would never invest. invest. You would never take the risk to, you know, whatever that looks like for you. But you know that over time there are truths. And so we make decisions on how we invest based on the truths that we know out of time, out of history. We look back at history and we say, while the historical vantage point is not a promise of things to come, it is a great indicator. Well, our history is based in a book. It's based in the Bible. And we know that while God does not necessarily promise us each little thing that we hope for, we know that he has a good track record and that over time he he can be trusted. The, The things that he promises in the word, some of them we will see. Some of them, they play out in time as time goes on or they are given to us in eternity. But you choose to invest your faith. You choose to invest your belief. You you, you choose to invest with your love based on a historical record that is dependable. Oh, I love that analogy. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think that that really is very clarifying. Honestly, we're all walking through hard in some way, shape or form. Life on this side of heaven is hard. But what I've also learned myself is that hard, that it can be a fertilizer for growth. And so have you found that? And if so, what are some of the ways that you feel like God has personally grown you through this hard season? Well, I wouldn't use the past tense for sure. (laughs) I think growing is definitely um, where I'm at. I think the first thing that comes to mind is that I, what I'm about to say is a part of what he's doing, but I think it's a part of what he's doing in me because of the season of life that I'm in. I'll Mm -hmm. be 50 in 2022. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are things that you can cruise along with in life because they've always just been a part of the embedded infrastructure of the way you think of the way you operate, of the way you move, of who you're with, of what you do Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. you're committed. Um, But I also think this has been a shaking that not only because of my season of life, 
in my age, but the season of life, of course, with the tough stuff we've gone through where it's like, okay, so now what are you going to do now? What are you going to believe and how are you going to speak about these situations in your life? So I think there is, while there has been a great shaking, there's also a great confidence, um, both in who I am and who God has created me to be in what I believe. There's also a great humility because when things are shaken, when somebody who is a part of the infrastructure of your life is no longer here, there's a shaking yeah. that happens um, that results in humility. And so I think even in our family, the shaking and roles and responsibilities and who does what and when, and you know, just the natural course of those things. I think me growing in humility and both speaking up for what I know and standing mm-hmm. down when I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think there's a greater grace that we get to choose to operate with as we learn how we hurt and how other people hurt. And as we learn what we're wired for and what we're supposed to do in this world that we know we don't have the time to apologize or hold back and do it. Yeah. So I think it's a both a stepping forward and a stepping back and making peace with both. Yeah. Age is a great clarifier for sure. As we mm-hmm. age, we grow in wisdom and experience and so let me be the, one of the first to welcome you to on the verge of your 50s. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that really begs to be discussed is leading our kids through heartbreak. Obviously, you've walked through all of these things over the last few years that you shared earlier, but your kids have walked through that as well. So let's talk a little bit about leading our kids through heartbreak, leading our kids through the challenges that life throws our way. Uh, What have you learned? What lessons have you learned? What did you do right? What do you wish you could have done differently? I think that the role that I have as a mom um, is the ability to be a guide. I tell my children all the time, the reason why you have parents and uh, is so that they can give you warning. They can shed light on things that with your level of experience in life, you wouldn't see. So I think what I have done a good job of is pointing out what really is obvious, but they may not see with mature eyes until later. And mm. so when I say to them, hey, when they say, why do we have to do this? You know, like, why do we have to memorize scripture at the table or Why do we have to sit at the table for dinner or why, you know, whatever I will say, well, here's the thing that you see now that came from this. So the reason why you see that me and your auntie Scylla and uncle John, John and uncle Nini, that we have really good relationship is because every evening we sat at the table together. Like Mm. we, we did not spend time on screens like that. We played games together. So what you see that you think is really cool, it came from things that your grandmother and your grandfather insisted that we do. So calling their minds back to they're no longer here, but look what they left. And this is how they did it. Let me frame this for you. Mm -hmm. So um, even in their heartache to say, you know what? It's so like we are so sad that Nani's not here anymore. But do you know she got to live until she was 70? Do you know how many people did not have their mothers that long? I'm so very grateful. So as I find the things to be grateful for, you know, as they look and they say, well, she, you know, she was so healthy before that. And it's just not fair. Well, I think when you look at it, like she lived until she was 70, that was pretty fair. That was pretty, Mm. you know, like, let's, let me flip that for you. And honestly, in reframing things for your children, 
you reframe things for yourself. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> you that the truth? It, you know, if you haven't done it before they ask the hard question, you have a choice in how you respond to their hard question to reframe it for them. And in doing so, reframing it for, for you. I think that I don't, I can't think of anything that I wish I would have done differently right now. I think maybe with time, and more perspective, there might be some things, but I think I never forget. I, I don't know where I read it or saw it or heard it, but I remember this very, very clearly that a woman who'd lost her mother would go into the garage and go through her mother's things and her son would come in, children would come in and see her crying and, and say, what's wrong? And she would, her response to them was, oh, it's okay. Today's remember mom day. Mm. And she set aside time to intentionally go through her mother's things to prompt the grieving that we can so often become less aware of as we get back to everyday life, but that still needs to be done. And I remember hearing that or seeing that reading that wherever thinking make room to grieve and don't apologize or hide your tears. Yeah. Let your children know that you loved your mom. So sometimes, you know, my, they'll look at me and they'll say, why are you crying? And I'm, I'm thinking about my mom. Yeah. So I think letting them see you grieve, letting them see that it hurts for you to miss your mom, I think puts in perspective for your children that even though they think they'll have you forever, that, wow, it hurts to lose your mom. I think it, it fast forwards the need to show appreciation if it hurts that bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if it's going right. to hurt. When she leaves me, let me appreciate her while she's here. And I'll say that to my children. I've told them, I think for the information that I had with my mom, I think the older that you get, the longer you have a parent with you, the more you realize because you're walking in their shoes, the sacrifices that they had to make for you, right? Sure. So you have a greater yeah. level of appreciation with time. So I, I say to my children, I wish I had had more time to appreciate her. Everything I needed, I, I had from her. I can say that. And I'm grateful to be able to say that. I just wanted more, more time with her. But the bigger yes. thing is more time to appreciate her. Because mm. the older you get and the more you walk, the more you go, oh, this is what this felt like. Yeah. Man, I'm thanking my mom. So I think in hearing those things for me, me being honest about walking through those things and not trying to hide the emotion or the grief, my hope is that they learn that a parent is someone to be appreciated and also that the people who we love will leave us and we leave them eventually. So you maximize the time you have with them while they're here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I lost my dad two years ago and um, that left a big hole in my life. You know, I was very close to my dad and uh, he played a, a role in my faith and my my journey as a musician, which is my background and um, my writing. I mean, everything that I wrote, my dad would proof almost all of my books, my dad proofed. So it was an important part of my life. And I love what you said about that we need to set aside time to grieve. We need to allow that and to even, you know, maybe on their birthday or other special days to just set that side a a time for that. You did that recently. I think it was on your mother's birthday. I saw it. I think it was on Instagram where you really honored her and uh, just talked about all that she brought to your life. That was beautiful. Oh, yeah. And I got up early in the morning and just went to a place that, um, and it wasn't planned. I got up and went in my pajamas. I <laughs> <laughs> um, went to a place that held special significance um, for me and for her. 
and just sat there for two hours Mm. in the quiet to make space for that. And I think sometimes, you know, you can make space, but I think, you know, especially too, when grief is fresh, you also have to realize that it's going to sneak up on you. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes, it does. It's okay to dismiss yourself and say, I'm so sorry. I'm going to be not yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah. You have to learn how to, in the same way that if you had a cold and if it were evident to everybody that you're sneezing and coughing all over the place and in the same way that that would be evident that I need space because I'm not well. Yeah. You need to know the signs and you don't know them at first um, when, but you will learn the signs of what grief looks like and when it raises up when you least expect it. You were planning mm-hmm. on not being emotionally well that day. And it's okay to say, I'm not, I'm not good today. I need mm-hmm. to, I need to steal away, take mm-hmm. a half day. Um, one of the girls who works on our team asked me, she's new to our team. She asked me on the anniversary of her father's home going, um, could she take half of the day? She said, just, I just need the space. And I, I applaud her and applaud any of us for learning what we need in those spaces. So if grief is fresh, give yourself permission to learn what you need and to mm-hmm. learn the signs, what happens in your mind, what happens in your heart, what happens in your body when grief is rising. Mm. Um, I think that grief, like anything else needs an outlet. Yes. If anger, if it's not let out, it does damaging things to your body. If sadness is not let out, it does damaging things to your body. If toxins, physical toxins are not released, it does damaging things to your body. Yeah. If grief has no outlet, it's not good for you. Mm-hmm. So you have to release it and you have to know the signs, just like you know the signs of pain that needs to be addressed when you go to the doctor or of a cold, I'm sneezing and coughing. And so I need to sequester, and take some medicine or get some sleep and hydrate. You learn the signs of grief. And yes. you learn what you need in order to to let that wave of grief subside. Yeah. But it's okay to learn and to not see it coming and to be totally knocked off, you know, and it just catches you off guard. But with time, you'll learn. Mm-hmm. And as you learn, don't apologize for needing the room. Yeah. Yeah. That is such good wisdom. Thank you. You know, I remember uh, when your cousin, Winter Pitts, died, you and your family did a live stream that was really, really powerful, Crystal. Um, I remember watching it. I remember uh, sharing it with my email subscribers. And I really appreciated that even in the midst of your pain, your family took the time to minister to others. Uh, talk about your decision to do that in such a difficult time for yourself. It wasn't really a decision. So my dad is, um, he is a, he's going to keep going. <laughs> Period. So on Wednesday night, we were in a series during the summer about, I can't remember what we called it. It was like real conversations or tough conversations or something like that. Hot topics. That's what it was. That was uh, the thing. So on the night, whatever he had planned to talk about, we were like, you can't get up and talk about that. Like winter just died yesterday. So a hot topic would be death and grief. And when God disappoints you. Mm. So if you're going to talk, let's talk about that. And so he was going out to have these conversations with someone that was asking him questions. And I said, I was, I had been the interviewer. I was like, Y'all don't want me to be the one to ask the questions today. It might not be a good thing. So Priscilla said, I'll do it. 
And then my brother, Anthony, said, well, I'll just stand with you for solidarity. And then Anthony and um, Jonathan and I were back in the stage. And then Jonathan said, well, maybe we should just go sit with them. So it's just all of us, you know? So that was an accidental. My dad (laughs) is going to still come before our church on Wednesday night. And how can we be timely and not tone deaf to the issue at hand and also be supportive in that conversation as well. And then we each ended up saying something, but it was not the plan to go and do that. We didn't think, let's see how we can minister in this rough season, you know, 24 hours after her passing. That was not it. It was, he's going to continue to minister. How can we support him? And it ended up being a ministry to other people. Yeah, it was very powerful. I remember just really, really appreciating that. Is it still available out there? Is mm-hmm. it still available? Yeah, I, I was going to say, maybe mm-hmm. I can get a link and I'll, I'll make sure and put a link in the show notes uh, for anyone who didn't get a chance to see that because it was very, very powerful. So that transitions us to really you guys, the five of you have come together once again with a little bit more intentionality this time. <laughs> uh, you have a new book out and that book is titled Divine Disruption, Holding On to Faith When Life Breaks Your Heart. So tell us about the book and why you decided to write it together. So again, definitely more intentional, but de- definitely driven intentionally by my brother, Anthony. Mm. He made sure that he went around to each one of us to collect our thoughts. He actually took care of the transcription and the documenting of our different parts and weaving them together into a story that could be told. But he really believed, and he's right, that our mother wanted us to do something together. And so he wanted no better, he thought no better time than to do that than to talk about what we learned in going through this season. And so the goal was for everybody just to speak their own truth and where they were and how they were dealing with things, the questions that they had, the lessons that they learned, the hope that they were holding on to and um, and to share that so that cohesively as a family, um, even though individually discussed from our individual vantage points, there would be a work that would speak to the pain that many people are feeling this season that also are needing to hold on to hope but may not have the community, family, even church structure to support them in doing that. To say, here's how we're like, here's how we're doing that. Here's what we're thinking. Here's what we're saying. Here's how we're walking through it. Mm, yes. So important. If you had to look at the, what's in the book, what's a favorite story or a favorite takeaway or a favorite principle that you have from divine disruption? Well, I think for each of us, we each talked about how we frame our belief. Like, and I think it's just helpful for people to see it's not just, okay, that we believe it's how it's, what are the thoughts that we're choosing to think it's what are the questions that we have and what are the answers that we acknowledge and that we rest in? I think it's the mechanics. It's like, you know, a car runs, but how does it run? Mm. What connects to what on the underside of the hood and what makes it go? And so if somebody wants to emulate the building of a car, they have to understand not just that it goes, but how the pieces under the hood come together to create the energy for the car to move forward. And so I think that the book, what it does is it gives for each one of us the how, what's under the hood, so that if you're trying to build a life of faith, despite the hard things that have happened in your life, that you will see for each one of us, 
the how. Like one of the things that Jonathan talks about is how he realized that the way that he was approaching his disappointment, not that disappointment is wrong, but the way that he was approaching his disappointment with God was ignoring all of the things that God did do. And it was like, it was like him coming to God as a bratty teenager about the one thing that you didn't get, not acknowledging all of the other things that God gave. Like, for example, mm. my mother came to the, um, there was a legacy event that we held because my dad released um, a couple of week, months before my mom passed a study Bible and a commentary and acknowledging and celebrating those two accomplishments. Um, we had a major program at our church and my mother was there. Now, a few weeks before she was in the hospital, she wouldn't have been able to make it had it been any earlier. Mm. And after that, her decline was swift. Had that event been, had it happened at any other time, right. she would not have been able to make it. So the grace in there is that, no, she's not with you, but she made it for the most important parts. Had mm. my mother passed away six weeks later, we would not have been able to be with her when she passed away. So while the decline in November and December seemed sharp and swift, we were able, you know, and I say this with all the sensitivity in the world, because I know that there are people listening who probably have lost loved ones and you weren't able to be there because of COVID. Mm -hmm. For our family, though, I still want to make room for us to be grateful that we were there to be. Yes. And that had she passed away any later that that. So what God did give, we had to recognize and say, if my mother was going to pass away. I mean, God kept his promise to her of living until she was 70. Right now, the last post on her Instagram page is a birthday cake with a 70 on top. <laughs> she lived to see her 70th birthday and posted that to her own Instagram account. Wow. So those are these little levity things. It's like, okay, God, if we all have to go. And mm-hmm. if she, if her time was now, for whatever the reason is that you chose then you were really sweet to us in your timing. Yeah. And so are we going to stamp our feet and, you know, whine and cry and be upset about all the things you didn't do? Are we going to look for the things you did? Yes. And I realized that that is hard depending on what hard is in your life and how things are happening. I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, all of the time, the end of things gets tied with a cherry, a, a bow or that a cherry gets to be on top. But what I am saying is that, you know, you know, the life of Christ was very difficult and he suffered horribly at the end, but we don't yes. focus on the lashed beatings and we don't focus on the cruel and horrific death and the scorn and the laughter of people who did not love him around the cross. What we focus on is that there was a glory in there. <laughs> we focus yeah. on the fact that he came, that he was born that he took on skin, in, that skin clothed deity, and that because he came and rose again, that we have life forever and fellowship with God where fellowship was broken. And mm-hmm. we acknowledge the cross and we're grateful for the cross, but that's not the entirety of the story. Yeah. So I think looking at that story told by my, my brother, my encouragement to those who are reading the book is to, my, my hope is that they are encouraged to look at the whole entirety of the story. And not just the part that was the hardest and the most horrific and the most difficult and the most cruel and the most, the biggest place where you wondered about the goodness of God. Struggle with it. Ask the questions. Yes. Have Mm -hmm. the difficulty, but 
look for the whole story. And I think that that's what Divine Disruptions does. It says, here's how under the hood, we looked at the whole story. And we hope that that gives people hope and the tools they need to do the same. Mm, absolutely. I'll make sure and include a link to Divine Disruption, Holding On to Faith When Life Breaks Your Heart in the show notes as well. So, Crystal, this has been good. Thank you for taking the time to talk. Uh, before we go, I know that you have a passion for ministering to others in a, in a myriad of ways. Uh, so what are some of the resources besides this new book that you offer and you want us to know about? Well, I think the easiest way for people to connect with me is to um, go to my website, which is crystalevanshurst.com, because everything is there. Um, mm-hmm. I send out a weekly newsletter that has encouragement and that tells you about everything else. So there is a podcast that we do. I have a membership where we you have access to other things like weekly videos and content and courses. And then everywhere for social media, I'm at crystalhurst. Crystal has an H in it. Hearst has a U in it. Really, but if you are on my email list, then that's the most gentle way for me to introduce you to the myriad of things that I do, including books that are written and all that. But my my joy is just in sending encouraging newsletters every week. And then along the way, as things are timely or um, appropriate, then I can share the other things. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. Well, we'll include links to Crystal's website as well in the show notes. Crystal, would you be willing to close us out in prayer and to pray for those that uh, are trying to hold on to their faith while life breaks their heart? Sure, sure. Lord God, we know that you understand heartbreak. Um, Jesus, the son, had to feel separation from you. Mm-hmm. at one of the most difficult times in his life. And then, Father God, you had to separate yourself from your son when he took on the weight of the sin of the world. And we know that Jesus, you know, physical pain. Um, Father, we know that we disappoint you often when we um, don't honor you with our choices and with our lack of obedience. Holy Spirit, we know we grieve you when we do things that are not in keeping with the spirit of God that lives within us. We know we cause you pain. We -hmm. know we disappoint you. Mm -hmm. We know that you are not a God who... Uh, is unaware of hurt or separation or difficulty. And we know, though, still, because you are perfect and because you love perfectly, that you keep loving despite the hard, despite the difficult, despite how we disappoint you, despite how we turn our backs on you. You keep hoping that we will um, live fully engaged in the love and the power that you provide. So, Lord, would you allow us to attach ourselves to the hope that you so greatly exemplify. Help us to give hope for ourselves when we are disappointed in you. Give us hope that helps us extend grace to other people when they disappoint us. Mm -hmm. And Lord, help us to live with glory-filled eyes, focused on you, knowing that you are indeed the author and the finisher of our faith. And that in between, while it's difficult, we know we have the beginning of a God who saved us, loved us enough to save us, and that we have the mm-hmm. end of the eternity to look forward to and give us the grace, the power, and the strength to hold ourselves together with faith in the middle, knowing mm-hmm. that you begin and you end all things well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. 
I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing. We have three free eBooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.